Today, we're going to be talking to Josh Eck. Um, if you were in service this morning, uh, you were able to hear some of his story. Uh, we want to take a, a deeper dive into that story. So, uh, Josh, glad you're here with me today. Um, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, Josh, we're just going to kind of have some conversation, but before we kind of begin, uh, can you give me just a little bit of, like a little bit of short background about yourself in general? Maybe who, you know, how long you've been in Purcell, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I, uh, we moved here from Kansas when, when I was the age, the age of four. We moved here in 1986 and uh, had went through school, uh, K through 12. 12 here, here in Purcell? Yep, here awesome. in Purcell. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just the, uh, I was the rebellious one. You know, like I, all through school, elementary and high school. Man, I was I was pretty rowdy. I got into things that uh, a kid my age shouldn't be in. So, um, you know, I remember I I was basically I was fully I had started the use of tobacco at like in fourth grade. Wow. I had a, yeah. Wow. Um, did did a, you have Did you have family that that did smoke or, or that you were able to kind of get that from? So yeah, both my parents had. Um, we're both smokers themselves, uh, and then I had brothers that were seven, eight, and nine years older than I was. Yeah. Um, both my older brothers uh, chewed tobacco as well, and um, that was just it was kind of what we did. Um, yeah. We spent a lot of time out at some horse ranches working with my brother. Yeah. And um, you know that's what all the cowboys did, and and I grew up playing baseball, and so you're watching. You know, the major leaguers. Watch the pros do it. Yeah. So just kind of copy and emulating what they did. Absolutely. Um, well, Josh, I just, uh, everybody got to listen to your story this morning at church. Uh, I just kind of want you to, to take us through, uh, I mean, don't don't feel like you can't repeat any of it. I know that people want to know a little bit more about it. So I'm going to let you kind of uh, take off with, um, I want you to let us know where you were. And make sure you let us know where you are today. That, that's the biggest thing, because I want everybody to know that there is a redeeming power in God, for sure. So just kind of start with it, and, and I'll be here to, to interject and ask some questions, but go right ahead. All right, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> getting me to the ranch was, was a chore in itself. My father was trying to get me to go. Um, it was the last, like I said, it was the last place that I was wanting to go. Um, it wasn't me that had a problem. It was everybody else, you know, that yeah. that had an issue. Um, right. And it, it took it took a call from a family friend, uh, John McCurdy, or not McCurdy. I'm sorry, John McReynolds. Okay. Uh, John McReynolds had had previously attended the ranch, and I, I initially said that I was willing to go. And my father was was driving me down there, and, and I remember about halfway. I told him, I was like, pull this truck over, you know, I'd switch the brakes. Like, we're, we're not doing this. Yeah, I, I'm not going to this place. Was it, was it just like a nervousness about it more so? Or did you really, did you hit it, did it hit you again that you didn't need to be going? Yeah, it was just, it was, I think it was, it was a little bit of initial fear of knowing. I think that I knew that I was going to have to give up drinking. And that was something that had literally just served as a crutch yeah. for my entire life. Um. You know, it was even even in high school. You know, when when we drank there, even even in high school, people were like, "Hey, man, you got a drinking problem," you know. And 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 into college, and and even hanging around people that that did drink or that would consume drugs, yeah. they're like, "You're doing too much drugs," you know. Yeah. Even 
even the drug acts themselves yeah. are going, hey man, you need to you need to slow down a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, very, and at the time, did you just look at that, and just kind of laugh it off? Yeah, it was just part of my name. You know, yeah. my last name is Eck. Everybody always called me Extra, or Extra. Um, you know, and and you know, I, they developed a, a nickname that was called Full Throttle. Everybody had always called me Full Throttle, and that was just the way that I always operate. It's high octane. Um, There's no slowdown. You know, and and it caused me to develop a huge ego too, because I literally yeah. thought I was bulletproof. I mean, I didn't think that there was a drug that I couldn't do. That. And, and, you know, I would watch other people like, you know, whether it's them passing out or, or getting sick or something, you know, it never affected me in that yeah. way. You know, I just, you know, just thought I was something special. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. So that that was all through your, your high school days. I mean, getting into into some heavy stuff then, right? Oh, yeah. There was uh, multiple games that um, I would take liquor bottles with me on, on bus trips and I would drink in the back of the, of the bus or, or previous to games. Um like I said, I had that fake ID, so I, you know, at the age of fourteen, I, it was it was open bar. Yeah, you mentioned on. that in, the, in yeah. the video that you were able to obtain that fake ID. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming that you also looked older than than most of the guys around, or was it just really easier than it probably should have been? No, you know, I thought I was pretty clever. Um, we, I, I would kind of uh, a lot of times I would just get in there, and I, I've always had the gift of gab a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was in sales, so mm -hmm. in, during my you know professional career of sorts, and so I've always been kind of to manipulate people or talk my way and yeah. things. How, you know, a 14 year old, it, looking back on things, it, you know, I still just don't understand how, how like, you were able how to do that. How it was able to happen, you know? And, yeah. Um, the fake IDs weren't as, weren't as difficult to make back then. You know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> a lot yeah. less qualifications Literally, to cover, you know, right? Yeah. Dad, uh, my, my father had had a, uh, a laminator from work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, you know, that was one had of all the, the, tools one right the resources I used. To, yeah, wow. Right, yeah. Wow, that's that's that is surprising. I know that Purcell was probably a world's different than what it is now, um, and I'm sure it's changed. But that is, I mean, to me, looking back, thinking it would have been a lot harder. But I mean, you were 14 years old and able able to get it done, so that's crazy. Yeah, it was a little collaboration with another high school friend that he knew how to use a software program. Yeah. Um, I can't remember whatever design software system it was, but, mm -hmm. you know, and I had the laminator and um, and yeah, we uh, wow. Yeah, wow. So you're in high school, you know, you know that things, I mean, do, do you know that you have a problem or are you still just, I'm not going to admit it. Do you just, you know, I'm going to say because you're leaving, you know, you're transitioning out of high school. I, did you, did you go to attend college anywhere? Yeah. So, um, I played baseball growing up <clears throat> and then, um, I ended up developing, so, you know, I had a lot of arm, arm problems, mm -hmm. uh, with through, I, I, I pitched a lot. Yeah. Um, Anyways, developed some uh, issues there, and then I walked on to East Central to play yeah. golf, and then started down there, and um, you know that got into a fraternity, and um, you know it was just the, the issue was was I you know with having brothers that were seven, you know the, the age that they were, you know when I got into high school, yeah, that so so the gap separation there, those kids that were were freshmen when my brothers were upperclassmen, juniors okay. and seniors, you mm -hmm. know, they thought they were the cool kids. So when I got in, I was like the little brother to everybody. Yeah. I was just, hey, little ex. So I was, even as a freshman, um, you know, I was the only one that ever, out of the eighth and ninth grade team, I didn't play with them. I played on the varsity team. Okay. So I was always with the older crowd. And yeah. um, even even in high school, I, I was, as a freshman, I hung around with a lot of the the juniors or seniors a lot I was I was always hanging out with kids or people a lot older than I was okay I got you. um 
And and that just put me into, I was just hanging out with crowds that I didn't have any business hanging around with. I understand. And do yeah. you feel like yourself now looking back that trying to fit in was ever a part of why you did what you did? Oh, yeah. It was, um, you know, I'd say this openly, uh, a thing that really looking back on things now as an adult and, and understanding some psychology and, and these are a lot of the tools we picked up um, through through working with some of the counselors, mm-hmm. even at Rob's Ranch was was getting ex- I, I got exposed, you know, to pornography mm-hmm. at an extremely young age. Yeah, um, an extremely young age, and stumbling upon that, um, it it destroys it destroys a, a mind of a young child. Absolutely, you know, yeah. You're, because you're wanting to, you're, you're wanting to be an adult. And, yeah. Um, you know, it, when you, when you look up as to adults, such as role models, or these are the things that you want, you know, you want to be, but, um, you know, they say arguably the greatest tragedy that happens in all of humanity is the innocence lost of a child. Absolutely. I've never heard that, but yeah. that's so true. Yeah. And, and, so. and not to call us either one of us old, but even in, in my day, like, things were a lot harder to, to access. Like to, they were not as easily accessible. And so just the, today, the, the amount of accessibility these kids have to it, I can't imagine um, having to worry about that. I'm already worried about that with my kid and, and as, as my son grows up especially. Uh, so I can see how that uh, definitely got to you. If you got to it at a young age, how that contributed. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's scary what, what we have available here. There's... Simon Sinek said that <clears throat> sorry this this only it, it, it hits me hard but it's with with understanding what what the endorphins do in a human body now with with the dopamine releases yeah. and the hits that we're after um, it, it's even the grasp of social media and this is it's evident yeah. through there's I know that there's episode, the movies and document documentaries that yeah. like social dilemma and yeah. there's things like that but it's you know, they say that some of these social medias, there's there's no difference between that and opening up a liquor cabinet to some of these right. kids at the age of, age of, you know, 12, 12, 13 years old. And um, it's something that as parents, they aren't properly trained, you know, to handle this or even to yeah. have these talks, you know, with the, with the the boom of the Internet. And, and it's something that it's hard to teach kids, you know, something that you don't know yourself. Exactly. We have, we never really lived through the generation that they're living through. So it is, it's, it's really tough for right. sure. That's, that's why it's, I just, it's so important to have Christ first. I mean, if without these principles and the foundation, uh, you're set up for automatic failure. Right. 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 Um, and so, uh, I, I don't really know the time frame and ages. I know that now you're in college. Uh, you're playing baseball and also on the golf team there at East Central. Is that right? Just golf. Okay, just golf. Just golf. All right. And did you find yourself looking back like, did that really send you over the edge? Being at college, being away from home, did you did you find yourself kind of not the same? And where where did it go from there? No, it was it was more uh, it was free range. Yeah. You know, then it was then I didn't have didn't have anyone looking over me then right. and then you know and that's that's really things especially there at East Central where things really started getting getting bad looking back at it now yeah the thing was that I, I was always managed <clears throat> even having these problems I was always highly functional and 
so college there, I got kicked out of East Central after I'd been there for a year and a half. Um, but was at a party and, and doing some things that I definitely should not have been doing yeah. and, and was involved with a female out, outside of an apartment complex mm-hmm. and, and got caught out there for doing lewd and vicious acts and, yeah. and uh, got arrested there. And I didn't get kicked out of school, but they said I could no longer live on campus, but I had scholarship there. And okay. so I decided to move back and I moved, uh, started going to classes at OCCC and then I went to another school there in Tabor, Kansas to go play golf up there. Another DUI uh, was arrested up there. Okay, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. like, okay, so what age are we talking about? Just trying to walk over so here, through kind of your, your yeah, story there, here. Uh, there I was 20, 22. Okay, and that, yeah. was, and that was your first DUI there? Yeah, well, and actually I take it back, I was 21, so I was on probation there. Okay. And then there was, we went to, the, the school that I went into, good Lord didn't try to put me into a, a <laughs> a school that that, that was a, it was a dry county, so we had to right. drive we had to drive to another county and go get alcohol. And, and some buddies and I jumped in a vehicle, and um, I was smoking marijuana on the way over there. And we picked up a bunch of alcohol over there to to have for the weekend, and was driving back. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine was driving the vehicle. My vehicle had automatic lights on there. Well, okay. by the time we got over, I told him, I was like, man, I can't drive because, you know, we, it's like, yeah. man, I'm, I'm too drunk to drive over here. So, yeah, he drove over there. By the time we got over there, then, it, you know, alcohol hit him. And he's like, man, I can't drive this back. He's like, yeah. and I was like, well, heck, I'm, I'm not that bad. So I can, I can drive this from here. Yeah. But when he got out, he had hit the automatic light sensor. So I, I was accustomed to having lights on okay. automatically. We're yeah. driving back through town. And, of course, we pass a cop, but I had the headlights off. Yeah. And so that cop whips around, you wow. know, and pulls us over. And um, anyways, he had, so I kind of took the rap for that one. Uh, but anyways, I got caught there with, it was driving, driving on probation with a suspended license. And, uh, you know, and then they, they, we didn't have any marijuana or anything in the vehicle. But um, gotcha. anyways, he, he brought the drug dog out because they thought that, you know, he could obviously smell it. And so, yeah. We, uh, anyways, I spent the night in jail there again, and, and, and coach didn't kick me off the team, um, but he had actually, he, he set me up with another another school, which was another Christian school, Southern Nazarene, where yeah. I see it, Lord's trying to keep me in this stuff, you know? Isn't it funny how God just continues to try to work, even though sometimes we just, we don't want to listen. And, like, and, and, and looking back now, and, and obviously where you're at, and you can see some of that journey laid out, and you're thinking, man, why did I miss that opportunity? It's almost funny. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I understand, <laughs> yeah. like, you look yeah. at that, though, and you just think, what, why, you know, mm-hmm. but, so you're at Southern Nazarene. Yeah, so I was at Southern Nazarene, uh, started playing golf there, and then, um, was actually doing really well there, but was still partying like crazy. I lived off campus. Uh, I had a full scholarship there. They were they paid me for room and board. Okay. But I didn't live there on campus. I was old enough there where I did. I I, I met their requirements where I could live off campus, and had an apartment there with a couple buddies. Had all my bills paid. Rent was only two fifty a month for my part. But I was I was getting reimbursement checks because I wasn't living on campus, so I was getting back like ten grand a month. Wow. I'm not even sure if my parents were aware of this part, but <laughs> anyways, ten grand for a semester is quite a bit of money right. for yeah. you know, for a college student. So I was the one that um 
definitely flip, you know, flip the bill for all the, all the parties and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and got into a, a whole lot of ecstasy there. Was doing a lot of ecstasy and, and again, a lot of cocaine and any, any uppers that I could get my hands on. Um, and then, and then started using a lot of, a lot of narcotics as well as far as opiates and, yeah. um, Anyways, lower tabs and, and Oxycontin and, you know, and then I was even playing golf tournaments and it was always under the influence of, you know, some sort of narcotic or other. They had me on Adderall, I was on Adderall and narcotics and um, somehow I was just always able to function. And then um, right before I was about to finish up with school my senior year, uh, I got a girlfriend pregnant okay. with my first, my first oldest boy now, Carter, he's 15. Okay. And uh, he lives in Okarchi now with his mother. And uh, so then there, I, I left there, told, went in and told the coach, I was like, man, I've got to go get a job. You know, I've got a kid on the way. And so I left school, mm-hmm. wasn't able to finish. And um, yeah, I joined the workforce there and, and, and took a job. So you got a job there. You left school. Uh, I mean, so did you get a job closer back to this area? I mean, was, where, where did that take you? Yeah, exactly. so I, I got a job working... At a, uh, a marketing company in, in downtown Oklahoma City, was, the group company is called Manise Marketing, and became it, that was is where I kind of that was where I first had my like first real job. That was okay. the first kind of real sales gig, and um, the company was a great company. They they provided outstanding training. We mm-hmm. did we did B two B sales. We were basically an outsourced marketing company, okay. and so we would go. And we were working, the company, the client we worked for was Quill Office Supplies. Okay. So I was going door to door, uh, selling office supplies. And, um, man, actually, you know, it was somewhat of a slow start, kind of, a, you know, there were some up and downs with sales. Yeah. fully commission-based. But then, man, I, about about a month, month and a half into it, you know, I really, really caught my, you know, caught the wind, caught my sails, and I just took off with it. But the idea within the company was was to eventually get out and, and, and develop your own, you know, acquire your own branch and, okay. and be able to run your own, your own business. And their concept was about if you could work there for about two to four years, yeah, you could branch off and start your own company. And at this time, I was the age of 24 at this time, and uh, I'd set like it was, it was an entire company record. I'd, I'd developed – it took me 10 months and 18 wow. days. Wow. And, um, and all this while you're still under the influence, while you're oh, still drinking and partying every oh, day? Yeah. Every, yeah, every night, every day. Um, wow. Yeah. No breaks. Like that, There was never a point in time that you that you were like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. You just, just kept, oh, no. because you were still functioning at such a high level, no, I'm sure. I, you know, look, I, I, there was one time when I tried after, well, we'd get into it probably, but I had about the yeah. longest span that I could remember going without alcohol in my life was two weeks. Okay. I mean, two weeks one time, but other than that, it was daily. And but you were right. just—I mean, you were just basically killing it in the workforce. Yeah, and so partying I, and, and doing all that stuff at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I went out to Little Rock, Arkansas, and opened up an office out there, and and man, it it took off and did really well. And I was living with a couple of guys. I, I went out there first. It was Kylie was my fiance at the okay. time. Uh, Carter's mother and I told her I said hey I'm going to get out there and get this office started you know in about six months you know that would give me time you know because I knew I was going to have to be spending long days you know starting a business and whatnot and so 
I said, give me about six months up there. I'm going to go out there and get everything yeah. set up for us. You guys come out in six months whenever we're off and rolling. And um, that six months, you know, getting the office started, we had just, we had a lot of success at first. I, I built the office up to 32 sales. Wow. I had 32 employees there, 32 salespeople in a pre pretty quick period of time. But there we had one of the large, we had one of the smallest, smallest markets. We were the second smallest market within the company. Yeah. Uh, but there were times where we were breaking up into like the top 10, you know, top 10 sales of, wow. of you know, of the, of the nation. But, you know, when we were competing with markets like San Fran and New York right. and, you know, I got a lot of notoriety there because everybody's like, what's this guy doing in Little Rock, Arkansas? And, um, so anyways, uh, but again, it, a little bit of the success got to my head a little bit and, um, it was total neglection on my part with the family really. And. All my time was, it was, I was basically, it was just a workaholic. I mean, it was just, yeah, it's work nonstop. Um, and you know, and at that time on mind, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm providing for this family. It's like you're, you're rationalizing everything. Right. Yeah. It's that I thought I was making money and, you know, I was business owner running around in a suit every day yeah. and, and wow. Yeah. That's, was, that's just, it's just, it's crazy to me to think that you were just operating at such a high level. And, and being able to get that done yet. I mean, we, I guess we all have skeletons in our closet, obviously, oh, yeah. but this, and just, that's, that's crazy. So owning your own business in, uh, in Arkansas, let's kind of jump forward just a little bit. Um, so you have Carter's born, right? Uh, do, do they, do they make it out to Arkansas? Did, did they move out there? Yeah, it was hectic though. Uh, I had with that, with the company we worked for being a hundred percent commission. Yeah. You know, if guys had a rough week, my remedy was to take them out to the bar and, you know, drink away their problems. Right. So what I'd do is I'd, I would go and cover all the expenses, take them out to the bar, show them a good time, you know, and try to build up morale. That yeah. way they'd show up the next day. Uh, that was one of the things that was difficult was <clears throat> commission-based only. You had, you know, very high turnover rate. Yeah. And so if I got someone who I thought was, was pretty talented or, or that – essentially not that I could develop them, but somebody that I thought could end up, you know, possibly making me a lot of money. Right. I'd do anything I could to keep them around. And, and my, my remedy for that was, you know, taking them out taking at night them. and showing them yeah. a good time and, and, uh, trying to get them to stick around. Yeah. Wow. So, but eventually that thing had ran its course. Kylie had had enough of it. Yeah. Uh, she didn't have any friends or family out there. She was somewhat of an introvert. So getting her to, I would, I would just tell her, you know, look, you're lonely. I'm like, you know, make some friends here. You know, yeah. you got the ability. But, you know, her being an introvert, um, like I said, it was no place for a kid to grow up anyhow in that type of environment. Yeah. And father was never there. And, and then when I was there, I really wasn't present. And, right. Um, but she'd had enough of that, and she was going to move back with, with her mom. And she said, we're moving back to Oklahoma. And... At that time, the business really wasn't operating the, the way the way that it started to then because my, my drug use and consumption had was it was just absurd. Right. Um, and then there was days where you know that came, carried over into you know if I was tired, then it was just it was just the application of more drugs to keep it going. You know. And so, but anyways, that that had all crumbled, lost all that. Um, and then, so I decided to move back with them and, and got a job here working for Sara Lee Bread Company. And here, meaning back in the Purcell area? In, yeah, well, Oklahoma City. Okay, yeah. okay. So you're back in this area, um, obviously still having a tough time, drugs, alcohol. 
Um, let's let's jump forward because I, I want to spend some time talking about where you are today. I noticed that you have your your journal, and I want to mm-hmm. give you time to if there's anything you want to look at uh, or talk about. Um, let's talk about exactly again, kind of go back more into detail how you what what events led you up to going to to Rob's Ranch. So yeah, we we got pulled over on that on the side of the road there with my, my dad and I, and he's like, you need to call John McReynolds. Okay. And and I knew of John and. And I thought, I said, John's one of the craziest fools that I've ever met. And I said, what's this guy going to have me to do? But I, said, well, I don't know what's he going to tell me. You know, I thought, I, you know, as far as from an intelligence level, I was like, yeah. you know, I, John, he can't tell me anything that I yeah. don't know. And so anyways, I was finally like, you know what, just get him on the phone. And I'm telling you whether, and I don't, I've never even told John this probably, but listening to him speak, it did I wasn't speaking to John John McReynolds that I knew. Yeah. And and there was something that was in that was, it, I guess it sparked my curiosity. Because I was like, he's talking of things that you know I wouldn't expect. Yeah. And and deep down in my heart, I kind of knew it was some of the stuff that I wanted anyhow. And, right. And and knew it was probably, you know, a good idea. So I ended up going there. Um, he got me down there, and and we. Dad got me down there, and we we got uh, enrolled there at the ranch, and um, and everything from from day one there was. It was weird. It's just like anything, you know. The the buildup in our minds is so much worse than actually going through something. It, it's just getting to the door. Yeah. And and that's what I would do is encourage anybody if anybody's struggling or or even thinks that they have a problem. Is is reaching out to someone. Just yeah. to just to talk to him, you know. Absolutely, um, just talking through some stuff. A lot of times will open your eyes more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So you're at the ranch. Um, it's a 90 day facility, and you had made the comment that you had said 120 days because you stayed 120 days, correct? So did did you ever check out and say I've had enough and go back? Kind of can you give me a little bit of story of that? Yeah. So this is um, I go for the 90 days okay. and. I'd fallen in love with the place as soon as I got there from day one and I was all in. Yeah. Um, and, and there was, a there was this transformation period and it only took me, other people would say it would take him two to three weeks or maybe a month to settle in. Yeah. I was literally like, I don't know, day two or three after some of the thought, I just knew it. Like, I was like, man, this is where I need to be. Yeah, and 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 I absolutely loved everything that they were that they were saying there, and, and I think it was just that being Christ-based, it was a lot of truth, and and it was stuff that deep down in my heart I believed, and that it was stuff that I knew that I needed to be doing. It was just <clears throat> everything. If it, if anybody, it was just falling on deaf ears before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I. But anyways, went went there for ninety days. Um, completed that program and, and literally thought that I would never, ever drink again. Yeah. I, I didn't, when I left there, I thought I was ro- so rock steady. I decided to go to the gratitude house and went there for sober living. Okay. And, um, and that's also a huge thanks to, to Jerry Givens for. Absolutely. For I know he does a lot for a lot of the guys and, he's, and that go through there. He's an awesome and amazing man. And, um, anyhow, Jerry's. Jerry's one of a kind, very special, Absolutely. special person. Um, so Jerry, if you're listening to this too right now, uh, just tell you, man, you've 
there's a lot of people that are out there that love you and and um and you've done a lot of good a lot of end of that absolutely yeah. Um, but yeah, so I get out there at that 90 days and a lot of the stuff they would tell us to do these trigger signs, they would tell us, you know, be, be aware of this and, and be aware of that. Yeah. And so the stuff being there in the house, sometimes some of the stuff they're telling us not to do is, is the stuff that was going on. And, and for me, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't mute everything. I, I couldn't keep it muted and, and, yeah. and, and I couldn't block it out. And, and looking back on this now, it, I eventually relapsed. It was about a month and a half. I was out for a month and a half. Relapse started drinking again, and um, anyways, I was out for about oh a week, ten days or so, and and then as soon as I started drinking again, the same habit started occurring where uh, you know I was getting sick in the mornings again. I was physically dependent on alcohol for about how oh, roughly I don't know eight years probably. Yeah, yeah. Where if if you know my morning started at at three o'clock in the morning. I would, I'd have to, you know, I'd wake yeah. up with, with sweats and shaking. So every morning before I left the house, I would typically drink, you know, about a pint to a fifth before I left the house yeah. to, to go get the day started. And then I would just kind of sip all throughout the day. Yeah. But, you know, there were days where I was drinking half gallons, you know, every day. Wow. It was just, you know, just to, just to maintain it. It wasn't that I was wanting to. It was just that I'd reach that physical, yeah. you know, point of physical dependence and, um, but anyhow, so I'd relapsed. A lot of the same signs were happening again. And, and by the grace of God, I entered back into the ranch. So I went there for another 30. So that's where I get the, okay. you know, the cumulative there. I gotcha. Um, and, and it was really good there for the first couple of weeks. And then something had clicked and, and I just lost all hope. I, I knew that I wasn't, I knew that I was, I didn't know this at the time, but I, the, I wasn't rooted in Christ where it was just, it was the proverbial sower of the seed where okay. I, I loved everything I, I heard, but it was, you know, it fell upon the path yeah. and it was swooped, you know, swooped in and, you know, taken right. away. And the other ones were just, you know, fell among the thickets. But, uh, wow. Yeah. So when you, when you came out of that 30 days, did you feel like a weight had been lifted though? No, I, uh, I, I was just, I had no hope. So I literally left there and drove straight to the liquor store. I mean, I, I be, I drove straight wow. to the liquor store and started drinking. And I literally can't tell you hardly anything that took place until April 2nd of 21 for, okay. for almost a year. It was just, it was just blanked. Um, I ended up getting another DUI. Uh, I was drinking again. I was walking back and forth to the liquor store I could barely hardly walk. Uh, one of my saving graces, Amanda Ulanok. I don't know how she tolerated my behavior or could could watch me drink. But again, I was physically dependent on it. And yeah, um, getting back and forth there, and I I got to the point where I I couldn't I couldn't walk hardly, and uh, my, my body was just completely and utterly shutting down. Yeah, and. I was in and out of the hospital. I think I was trying to say that I had COVID three or four times and it was just, it was just me just, again be, yeah. being dependent on alcohol. But it was basically a blackout for, for almost a year. And it was April 2nd. Oh, 2021. 21, where, you know, I just told her, I was like, listen, I can't do this any longer. I was like, just, yeah, I'm, you're going to have to get me to detox. And she took me up to, to St. Anthony's. I went up to St. Anthony's detox. And, um, got checked in, 
of course, grabbed a bottle before I went in because I wasn't going to go to detox sober, which, you know, that just tells you the state of mind right. of, <laughs> of how sickening the disease is. Um, so I get checked in there. Don't really remember much of that. But in the middle of the morning, these nurses and doctors bust in there and just start hooking me up to all sorts of IVs and had cords everywhere. And, um, it, it, I really don't remember much of what happened that evening. I just remember them busting in, but the doctor the next day, he had came in and he's like, Josh, we, we need to have a serious talk here. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's have it. And he goes, you, you're a dead man. He was like, I, I've never seen a case like yours in 19 years. I've wow. never seen anyone's liver enzymes as high as yours. And wow. He said, I, I don't know how you're sitting up right now, much less having a conversation with me. Yeah. But he's like, I'm telling you, you should be dead. And, and my liver enzymes were somewhere up in like the 1400s. Goodness. And I've asked him, I said, well, what's a normal in, enzyme account? You know, and he said, it should be somewhere between five and 40. And yours was 1400. 1400s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. You went through the detox. So yeah, I, I go through a week, wow. week long detox and I get out of there and honestly felt like I, I felt different. I still, to this day, I can't explain it. So I just felt different. Mm -hmm. Spend that weekend, Amanda and I are, are, are there at the house and she goes off to work that Monday morning and and I was dreading that Monday morning because I was so terrified. The that, first time to be alone since yeah. then? Yeah. Okay. So I was so I said, once she leaves, I know that desire is going to hit. Because mm -hmm. I just couldn't control the desire. It, was, it wasn't that I was wanting to drink. You know, it didn't yeah. want to. And Monday came around, nothing. And then I said, well, Tuesday is going to come. And then I, I know I'll... So here you are, like, preparing yourself... For the crash, and oh, it yeah. didn't come all day Monday, right? No. And so now you're you're preparing yourself Tuesday that it's going to hit you. Tuesday's going to hit nothing. Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, nothing. You know, and Friday comes around, and, and <clears throat> I told him, I was like, you know, I got to go get a tattoo or something to commemorate this thing. Yeah. You know, so I was, <clears throat> it's like, I need to see something. So I put a tattoo on my wrist, and on my wrist... I was going to take my medical band that I got from, uh, from the detox yeah. and I was, I was going to get the, the barcode yeah. on my wrist just so I could see that to always you know, remind me that, you know, the only reason that I was alive was through God's grace and mercy. Yeah. I wanted to see that every day cause I never wanted to forget that. And so I go to this tattoo parlor on main street and I go in there, the tattoo artist, uh, He's like, what are we going to do? So I show him the bracelet and he's like, buddy, he goes, if, if I put that on there, that could end up just being a solid block. He goes, as yeah. close as these lines are, if I put these lines on there, they could all just, just come together. together. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a solid block. And, and I was like, he was like, well, what's this for anyways? So I say, well, you know, I was an alcoholic and just got out of detox and I was wanting something to commemorate this thing with. And, and he goes, well, he was, man, I was an alcoholic, actually. He's like, I've been sober for 19 years. Wow. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So he and I kind of start mixing it up a little bit. And and one thing leads to another. And, and he was like, well, you know, is it, you thought about anything else. And, and I was like, man, I have no idea what I'd put on there. And yeah. he goes, you ever heard of the, you know, the verse Joshua 1-9? I was like, hey, my name's Joshua, you know. Yeah. 
And he was like, well, that's a verse that helped me out a lot, you know, get overcoming uh, my addiction. And so at the time, I didn't even think about it. So, but, but I go along right with it. And I think a lot of it was probably just ego, you know, just my name was on yeah. there. So I was like, yeah, I'll put Joshua on night on there. And sure. But even looking back on that now, uh, you know, it was funny. The doctor had told me he had been in practice for 19 years. Yeah. This guy had been sober for 19 years. And he puts Joshua on nine. Wow. On and so that was one of those things where I started paying attention to numbers and stuff a little bit more. And yeah. Just, anyhow, but it was, again, that was one of those things where, there's one of my favorite quotes was from this movie V for Vendetta, but he mm -hmm. said, he said, I like God do not believe in coincidences, nor do I play the dice. And that was the first thing where I started kind of paying attention to some, some things trying that to happen signs you. and numbers yeah. and, and trying to be a little bit more alert of what was going on. Uh -huh. Um, Anyways, that was just a, that was a fun moment for me. But anyways, man, it's just, it's never returned. Um, wow. It, it's honestly, it's never returned. And, and I just feel so far removed from it that it, just understanding the blessing, um, the, the true blessing that it was. But it also, it gives you almost a, it was, it was a weird feeling because it was that uh, you, you hear it with soldiers sometimes, you know, that have the survivor or survival complex a little bit. It's yeah. like, you know, why me? Like, why me, God? Yeah. I started asking that a lot and trying to figure out, you know, what it is that I was supposed to do with it. And, and man, I just, I, I've just developed this immense love and appreciation for what, for what Christ is and for what he does and um, the amazing gifts of restoration and, and yeah. so I've just, man, I've been after him every day since That's then. That's so it's awesome. Every day. Can uh, So you haven't had the urges. Can you just kind of update like where you are in life right now? Because that was, what did you say, that was April 2021? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and so we're in August 2022. Yeah. Where is Josh at now? How do you, so, I mean, you just look to me in church. Man. I mean, you look like you're thriving to me. And I know you probably don't have it all together, but I mean... I don't, I, this is the first time when I watched your video that, uh, that I knew your story. And so to see where you were and where you are now, I mean, just blows me away. To, to be honest with you, and this is, this is really, it's strange for me. It, it, it's still, the newness is still there where me, just the, the name Jesus Christ coming out of my mouth is still that the newness is still so fresh. And it's, it's sometimes still shocking to my yeah. ear of how much I believe, um, and how much I've come to know Christ in, in a relatively short period of time. But the blessing is, is that I feel that the depths that I was at, I have the, the honor and privilege of getting to know Christ in a way that very, very few people on this planet do. And there isn't, you couldn't get me to trade places with another soul on this planet. And that's still hard to, hard to, hard to, it's hard to comprehend still to me. It's, it's hard to logically comprehend it. Right. But spiritually and emotionally, there's not a person that I would trade places with. I truly Amen. feel like I'm the luckiest person on the world. And I know that I know what he has in store for me is going to be something, something I, I awesome. Can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we didn't really get a whole lot to you, but man, I'm just, 
just enjoyed listening to you talk uh, today and telling your story. Um, I want you to know, Landmark Church, we're so proud of you, man. And, and I know that people that watch your story this Sunday morning were, were blown away. And I believe it's going to be a ministry to somebody. And if it's just one, then it's it's so important. Um, I mean, is there anything else that you want to say kind of before we get off here? Um, just about anything. I want to give you a chance to, and if you got to take a second, that's fine. No, nope, uh, I don't even need to take a second. I, my favorite thing, <laughs> ask and you will receive. Seek and you're going to find him. Knock and that door shall be answered. It's available for everyone. Um, and you don't have to do it the path that I did. Uh, but it's, it's the most amazing adventure that I've ever been on. It's, it's the greatest high that I've ever had. And, and it's, it's available, but you, you don't have to, you don't have to lose everything, but there's, there's a lot of people that say, Josh, I want, I want what you have. That's and awesome. I said, all you need to do is just lose everything because until God is all that you have, you won't understand that God is all you need. That's right. That's right. That's, that's such a powerful statement. Absolutely. Well, Josh, we're going to get off of here. Um, but I thank you for coming on today. Um, I hope that this touches somebody today. And I appreciate you guys jumping on uh, and listening. And um, I guess we're going to sign off. So, Josh, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. All right.